CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Welcome. It's great to have you with us. And unfortunately, we have to begin with an important and disturbing public health development, a deeply concerning government report that reveals nearly half of the drinking water in this country contains highly toxic so-called forever chemicals, chemicals that have been linked to cancer, birth defects, infertility, and hormone issues, ordinary home products, nonstick cookware, pesticides, food wrapping paper, packaging containing toxins that leach into our water supply. The research was conducted by the U.S. Geological Survey from 2016 to 2021. They tested both public water systems and private wells. They found urban areas are three times as likely to be contaminated with these forever chemicals as rural areas. The hardest hit regions in the Northeast, the Eastern Seaboard, the Great Lakes and the Great Plains states. The Daily Mail reports that makers of the forever chemicals have for years covered up studies that showed these toxins cause cancers and birth defects, all raising the question, why didn't Congress act to protect the lives of Americans? Why didn't regulators and those who've done the research over the years? Why no public alarm? We'll take that up here on The Great America Show in the weeks ahead. Turning to the swamp, it's day five of the Biden cocaine scandal and no culprit has been named, even though security cameras cover every inch of the White House. The search for the absent-minded coke junkie continues as Secret Service is vowing to get to the bottom of it. So how is the White House press corps handling Joe Biden's latest scandal? Kelly, the big change is where this was found. It was found, um, by my observation, in a much more secure place, limited access place, than that West Wing reception area. It's still a publicly trafficked, a frequently trafficked place, but it's down near the Situation Room, right off West Executive, down below. And normal people, just average people, just can't get in there, even with the entry from the Northwest Gate. Well, let me let me bring you up to date with the reporting that I have. What we have learned is that there are, in fact, two West Wing entrances. You know that. I know that. But for the benefit of our audience. And now the investigation has progressed. And so they're saying the West executive entrance, which, as you noted, is closer to the Situation Room and closer uh, to uh, the Navy mess where there's the facilities for food and so forth. It is uh, also next to West Executive Drive. That's where, for example, the vice president's vehicle is parked. MSNBC reporter Kelly O'Donnell suggesting the cocaine was found close to where the vice president's vehicle parks. What does that mean? But already there have been three separate areas where the cocaine was supposedly found. Somebody is wrong. Somebody is lying. And it doesn't look good for the Secret Service, not a bit. 
And the governor of North Carolina supporting sex changes for minors, refusing to restrict men from participating in women's sports and limiting gender instruction for young students. North Carolina's Democrat Governor Roy Cooper vetoing three bills this week that would ban sex changes for minors, restrict men from participating in women's sports, and limit classroom instruction about gender identity and sexuality for young students. There's no room, in my opinion, for indoctrination of any kind in our classrooms. And now, wrapping up developments in foreign policy this week, the State Department issuing travel warnings to Americans going to China because of China's targeting of Americans and wrongful detentions. Here now to take that up and much more is the host of the Hard Truth podcast, Tony Schaefer, and author, radio host, and China expert, Gordon Chang. Welcome back, gentlemen, and thanks for being here. Let's start with first the idea that there's a travel ban of sorts on Americans going to China. Tony. Well, this is a a continuation of the back and forth that we're seeing right now with Tony Blinken making a complete ass of himself with his visit over there, genuflecting to Xi, and then Joe Biden calling him a dictator, uh, kind of promoting uh, the anger that the Chinese want. So this is just another antagonistic move by them. There's a series of things that um, are in motion right now. The Chinese are doing what they can to antagonize and provoke the U.S. to overreact in some instances or underreact in others. For the most part, uh, the Biden administration, I I think, is compromised. Um, I was just uh, earlier today talking to my friend um, uh, Eli uh, Eli Crane from Congressman Crane from Arizona. And uh, Eli uh, was talking to the FBI a while back about something called elite capture. Elite captures uh, policy and technique of the PRC, CCP, to target senior leaders of foreign countries. And so uh, I believe they were successful in targeting Joe Biden via Hunter. I think uh, by the fact that you see that level of compromise at the senior level, uh, things like this, uh, this, these antagonisms going back and forth are simply designed to create in the mind of the world, not U.S., but the world, that we are a feckless tiger because there's going to be virtually no pushback by Joe Biden or anyone else on this, Which, because I think they're compromised. And so, therefore, uh, the idea is to make us, the United States, look weak when they do things like this and, we, and we'll do nothing back. It makes us look weak. Well, I don't know. How, how much effort's required to make us look weak with right. Joe Biden uh, running the uh, running the country. Uh, your reaction, Gordon? I thought it was ironic that as soon as the State Department issued its travel advisory about urging Americans to reconsider travel to China, that Janet Yellen gets on the plane for Beijing. And yeah. I think that the, the trip really is ill-advised. I mean, Basically, the administration is is saying, look, we don't expect anything to come from this except for reestablishing channels of communication. In other words, talking about talking. The problem here is that we're Americans. We think talking is very important. So we think what we're doing is responsible. And this is the attitude, not just of the Biden administration, but its predecessors. However, the Chinese see this very differently. 
they know that they've engaged in belligerent and provocative behavior, and they know that they should be the ones trying to mend relations, not us. So when they see the Biden administration send senior officials to Beijing, it confirms in their mind that this is a vassal that is acknowledging its subordinate position. So what we're doing by trying to talk is really feeding their already inflated sense of self-importance. So this is just going to make problems worse. Um, and it just is basically she should stay home. Blinken should never have gone. And, and no American officials should go. If the Chinese want to talk to us, well, fine. But make them come to Washington. Yeah, let, let's dissect that just a bit, if we may, uh, gentlemen. You're talking about we shouldn't send anyone. But there may a number of reasons why we shouldn't send anyone. And that's because we have no one who seems to be uh, sufficiently talented, knowledgeable, or skillful uh, in foreign relations or diplomacy. I can't think of a single person in the national security team I would want representing the United States in any capital anywhere in the world. Can you? Well, no, I can't. And, and, and to, to Gordon's point and your point, Lou, the Biden folks consider a successful engagement progress. They don't care if anything positive comes out of it. I mean, Blinken said this regarding his last visit, that he was simply happy that they uh, they talked to him. So if you if that's your standard of success, then the Biden administration will continue to play right into the hands of, of China, as Gordon just said. Gordon, your thoughts? Because it again, just on it, just on the quality of the people that are in important posts, uh, it, it, they simply shouldn't be, in my opinion, representing the United States in any capacity. Yeah, the, the problem with the Biden administration, in addition to all the things that Tony talked about, is that we have given China valuable things, made valuable concessions in order to get the conversation going. I mean, there's the reporting that we agreed not to impose certain restrictions on Huawei technologies. Um, in order to get um, Blinken's right to go to Beijing. Well, that's ridiculous. Um, and we know that the State Department, just days after the spy balloon was shot down, um, decided not to impose measures that had been previously scheduled. This is the Reuters reporting. And really what this says, Lou, is that uh, we have provided incentives for China to act more belligerently because the Chinese know that they violated our sovereignty. And yet they got the State Department to back down on things that were completely unrelated that were going to go forward anyway. So what we're doing is we are just making the situation worse. And this is the real problem with engagement, the way that it's worked out from administration to administration. The one great thing Trump did on China, um, you know, you can talk about specific measures, but the one great thing he did was he broke the concept of engagement, that the idea was that we're supposed to talk with China for the sake of talking. Um, and what Trump did was, well, he said, yeah, I'll talk to China, but I want to get X, Y and Z. And he made those preconditions. So those are really important things for the administration to do. And they're not doing them. They're going back to the failed engagement policy of five decades, which have they sound like they should work. But these policies had, in fact, created this disastrous situation that we now find ourselves in. It's the kind of diplomacy that is pure process and uh, and no result. And I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, what is the point of it all other than the prospect that maybe the, the captured uh, corporate media uh, will, you know, uh, 
push it through back uh, in a in some form uh, to the public as a success. Let, let's turn to another development uh, this week, and that is the attempted capture by Iran uh, of uh, two uh, oil tankers in the uh, Gulf of Hormuz. Uh, ultimately, the U.S. Navy uh, pushed them away. Uh, and uh, But again, they are back to old tricks trying their best uh, to pirate and possess uh, other people's uh, crude oil tankers. Your thoughts, Tony? So this goes back to a number of incidents going you know, since the Iranians have become a provocative power under the mullahs. Uh, the requirements of the, I guess, the guarantee of uh, of navigation through that area has always been something we, the United States and our allies, have helped guarantee. This has required some pretty aggressive actions by multiple administrations. Uh, that includes Democrat and Republican both. I remember under uh, President Clinton, uh, Tony Zinni and Central Command, General Zinni uh, had to basically do some pretty aggressive things to maintain uh, the lines of, of commerce to be open. This is no different. I think the Iranians see an opportunity here to, to begin acting out, to gain influence. Uh, again, one of their biggest allies that's gonna support them in this is, is gonna be China because China is gonna let them do whatever they want essentially as the guarantor of of Iranian uh, mis mischievous, mis mischief, mis uh, misdeeds. And so it's going to be an interesting point to see if we, the United States, come and do something about it this time. Because, again, even during the Clinton years, Lou, uh, they actually took very aggressive actions to promote and protect the lines of communication and commerce through that area. And perhaps the Iranians are counting on Big Brother China uh, backing uh, off the United States or the United States just being so feckless we won't do anything about it. Remind us what Zinni did that was uh, a strong response. So during that time, there was some attempted uh, takeovers of U.S. ships where there was actually a requirement by U.S. Navy ships to fire in response, to basically to, to, to fire warning shots to say, you know, you, you can't do this. As a matter of fact, they reflagged U.S. ships a couple times to make sure that 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 the ships went through, with the idea that if it's if a, a U.S. if a ship is with the U.S. flag, you will be fired upon directly. So they the U.S. Navy went about actually helping to reflag several ships that were going through the straits to just dare them to do something to attack them, and they that that successfully the combination of intimidation and reflagging actually did back the Iranians off back during the nineties. And Gordon, Iran seems to get away with far more than uh, they should uh, under successive uh, administrations, except for a four-year gap where a fellow by the name of Donald Trump was president. We are back to trying to buy uh, a relationship with Iran. We are back to negotiating with them. And no one seems to know to what purpose. Right. And also, um, clearly, the the end goal that the Biden administration wants is a treaty, but they won't submit it to the Senate because they know they can't get approval. So they're going to try some sort of runaround with an executive agreement. And this is going to be something that Congress is going to be upset about because Congress has um, required um, administrations to actually submit 
portions of agreements to Congress um, for approval, and the Biden administration doesn't want to do that. So it's not just the Republicans in Congress, it's also the Democrats, because this is a congressional prerogative. But stepping back from the technical aspects of what the Biden administration is trying to do, this is just wrong. You know, we're trying to put money into the hands of people who see us as an enemy um, and who will use that money to attack us. So just fundamentally, morally, strategically, this is the wrong approach. And clearly, um, the American people should do all they possibly can to stop this. And we may be able to stop a lot of this in Congress. We're talking with Tony Schaefer and Gordon Chang about the Biden foreign policy misadventures. There are too many to cover in one show, but we're going to give it our very best effort as we continue. Stay with us through these messages. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back now with Tony Schaefer and Gordon Chang. I want to talk about Iran and why in the world the United States government, or for that matter, any Western power puts up with their aggression and doesn't just simply respond whether when they're in the Gulf of Hormuz or wherever uh, and and fire on the enemy, because that's what they seem to want to be. Gordon? Absolutely. And uh, President Trump did that when he called the strike in on Soleimani and, and that put Iran back in the box. Um, and that's what's needed. Um, and the Biden administration won't do that. Remember, we had a president who advised against the strike on uh, Osama bin Laden and the raid on his compound. So, you know, as Robert Gates, the former defense secretary, said in his 2014 memoir, and this has become famous, he said, Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every foreign policy and national security matter of the past four decades. And being president, He's still wrong on everything. So, you know, clearly when you look at Iran, that's just a subset of the problem. The major problem is that Biden does not want to acknowledge that the world has indeed cleaved into two. There are two opposing camps. This is like the Cold War and we have to prevail. Um, Iran is a proxy of Iran, of China and Russia, and we are not willing to acknowledge that. So. This is going to be a problem that runs through every Biden foreign policy decision, because as Confucius said, and the most important thing I think Confucius ever said was, you have to call things by their proper names. And we are not calling the international system by its proper name. It is now Cold War II. Yeah, I, I, and as Davy Crockett said, 
say what you mean and mean what you say. We have an administration that has, I don't think, has a clear idea of what it does mean uh, other than uh, to destroy the this great constitutional republic of ours and our system of government. Uh, in terms of foreign policy, there is a, a an ambiguity that hangs over every relationship, whether it's Russia, except for Ukraine. Biden is very explicit about uh, Ukraine. He will put as much money into Ukraine as is necessary. Uh, and he proves it once again, coming up with another half billion dollars to ship off uh, to Ukraine. It's it's incredible to watch this uh, this unfold. Uh, Tony, your thoughts? Well, on, on Ukraine, it's clear that there's no strategy. Uh, to, to quote Sun Tzu, another great quote uh, is um, tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're basically uh, layering every weapon system they add loot to the battlefield. It's the wonder weapon. Oh, this is going to do it. It's like, no, it's not going to do it. They lost upwards of 50 Bradleys, our, our latest Bradleys, M2A2s, the latest Bradleys, lost 50 of those. We're going to replace 30. And yeah, no big deal. They're just trying to probe right now. The unimaginable loss of life and expenditure of resources uselessly is mind-boggling at this point. And uh, when I look at this as a, as a serious, I spent a lot of time in uniform uh, doing things which I'd like to believe meant something relating to helping our leadership understand and deal with threat, counter threats. And what I see right now is a travesty because we have supposedly Mark Milley, and I know Mark, uh, and uh, Lloyd Austin, I, I worked for Lloyd Austin, Brigadier General Austin, when he was in Afghanistan. And uh, knowing these men directly, it is disappointing to see the, 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 the mess that they've made by advising Ukraine to do what they're doing right now. There is no military prerogative or strategy that I can make sense of because all they're doing right now is literally throwing military equipment against the wall and hoping for the best. And hope is not a strategy. Yeah. Gordon, what do you make of the fact that Lloyd Austin is the secretary of defense? Uh, Mark Milley is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And frankly, I can't think of two greater oafs uh, in the military uh, over the past 20 years. And by the way, I can think of quite a number of uh, untalented uh, members of the general uh, the general staff. Yes, and there have been actually a lot of talented secretaries of, of defense and joint and chairman of the Joint Chiefs who've made a botch of it. So, you know, you add that onto it. Um, but clearly what we have seen is the Pentagon um, not prepare for the war that it needs to, which is the one with China, um, not yes. prepared to win in Ukraine, although they are willing to commit resources. And it's partly, I think, the failure of the Pentagon to advise the president, but it's mostly the problem of the president who has been wrong on these issues regarding Ukraine. Remember, well, Ukraine would may, may, may I interrupt just for one second? Because you said the president. And I have to just question this. We talk about the president, but we all know he is not the president of the United States. He is some sort of facade for some power that is driving this administration. This man doesn't have the intellect to get across a stage. He doesn't have the capacity 
uh, to put one foot in front of another. He is, for whatever reason, there is a mass psychosis in this country that is allowing us to say this man is the president. And by the way, I'm guilty of it as well. He is not the president. Someone is driving this man. Someone is making these decisions. It sure as hell is not Joe Biden. Well, you're not going to get an argument out of me for that, Lou. Um, and that's certainly right. Um, but you have a national security establishment that has been making one fundamental mistake after another. When you start with the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan, leading to Putin thinking that he could invade Ukraine and the mistakes that have followed after that. Um, this has been an, this would be a very difficult period for any president, but it's become so much more challenging for who's ever running foreign policy now because they are they are making one mistake after another. And some of these are critical mistakes. And can you think, Tony, of anything this administration is doing in foreign policy that isn't a mistake? Can you think of any position in this country's foreign policy that is not the mirror image of what was the Obama foreign policy? No, I think um, two part answer to that question. First, I think it is Obama's third term. Valerie Jarrett, uh, Susan Rice are there in the White House on a daily basis. They are the brainstem that informs Biden and his staff what to do. So I think that's what this is. And if it's if, if, if it's that, which I think most people would agree, then it's focused on continuing Obama's policies. Part two of my answer is this. There's a fundamental difference of how they approach the world. And one of my principle, the, the one of the principle of policies I personally live by is, is looking at measures of effectiveness, MOE, versus measures of performance, MOP. And this is a military thing. I actually lecture on this at the War College, Army War College. Y you can set up any performance standard you want. It's artificial. It, it doesn't necessarily relate to the world of how you interact. That's why, to your point, Lou, that you've had all these generals, uh, as, 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 as Gordon said, you've had all these people, some marginal, some not. Man, they all get promoted. They all get medals. And yet we're losing because they set up, they themselves set up measures of performance that have no relationship to the outcome, to, to the reality, to effects. I believe we should be looking at like the like all the Reagan guys. And, you know, I, I just saw Ed Meese a few weeks ago. I'm still close to the, the, the Reagan folks. I love the Reagan folks because they focused on measures of effectiveness. What will be the effect of these series of actions? This administration has no interest in linking their actions to a positive outcome. That's part of the problem. So that's why you see this performance like Blinken just showing up and having the meeting. That's a success. And if you're measure if you're measuring yourself based on the fact that activity is success without any regard to outcome, then you're going to fail. That's why the entire foreign foreign policy establishment fails constantly because they are not tied. They're not tying their actions to any measurable, uh, achievable objective. We're talking about success and failure in foreign policy and specifically the Biden foreign policy. We're talking with Tony Schaefer and Gordon Chang. And we're talking about what happened this week worthy of note in foreign policy. We'll be right back. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. 
So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with Tony Schaefer and Gordon Chang, and I'd like to turn to uh, Iran again. Uh, The Biden-Iran policy now under scrutiny, in part because the the U.S. envoy to Iran uh, has been suspended Uh, And by the way, for mishandling classified documents, but there seems to be much more to the story and much of it we still don't know. But Gordon, your thoughts on what is happening as with one hand, the Biden administration is trying to close a deal to give Iran a nuclear weapon. And with the other hand, uh, a little more than embarrassed to find that its envoy has been clumsy with classified information, and we still don't know just how clumsy or to whose advantage. Yeah, this is really a developing story, and we don't know the facts. Um, but yeah, this the allegation is mishandling classified information, but it probably goes more than that. And, but the problem here is is the. Uh, I'll say it again, the president's, but okay, the the national security establishment's strategy about Iran, um, because it is flawed from the very beginning. Um, We had four years of successful Iran policy, but that was under President Trump. And we've had the disasters both before and after the Trump years. Um, President Trump did something which, you know, you never see Biden do. He saw that Iran was violating the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action and he terminated it because he couldn't make the uh, Cardin uh, certification that Iran was in compliance because it wasn't in compliance. It was actually violating a critical part of the Iran deal. Um, And Iran had been violating it in the Obama years, um, but Obama wouldn't pull the trigger. And Biden uh, certainly wouldn't do so. Um, so really what we have is uh, the making of agreements for the sake of agreements, just taking something from what Tony said about uh, measures of performance. So really, this is a failure of uh, the approach of the Biden team. And we are going to see um, disastrous results from this because Iran views the United States as an enemy. Iran is backed by China. Iran is engaged in mischief and terrorism and bad acts throughout the region and not only throughout its region by the way through our region as well lou in our hemisphere so this is this is going to be a disaster as we can see from what biden's been doing tony if i may i'd like to turn to the issue of cuba because the president 
as we uh, lovingly call him, uh, is saying nothing. His administration is doing nothing. And it looks like that may be their policy. Uh, simply silence, ignore them, and whatever military base the Chinese build on Cuba will be, will be a matter for the next, uh, the next president or iteration of the Obama presidency to deal with. So the Lourdes signals intelligence communications intercept side is a significant asset. The, the, the Russians used it uh, through the Cold War. It's a location that was much like we have listening posts all over the world for NSA. This was a Russian version. The Russians shut it down, abandoned it uh, after the Cold War, I think in the early 90s. Uh, the Chinese came along and said, hey, we want to reopen this. And I, I do believe that there was some level of indicator that this was being contemplated during the Trump years. I think there was intelligence indicating it was happening, but it, the trigger was not pulled until the Biden administration came in and they decided to reactivate it. The Chinese are lacking some pretty big intelligence pieces regarding our movements. Uh, and let me be clear on this. I, I'm not a neocon, but I, I am convinced that uh, the Chinese are overrating their own capability. And they're doing that both to promote esprit de corps and to get uh, folks thinking that they can they can do things militarily i think they if my advice to the chinese they need to stu study the japanese navy a bit more before they get aggressive just saying uh, regarding world war ii and um at this point uh without understanding us clearly and making miscalculations in their view i think they do rightfully seek more intelligence that's why they did the balloon thing the balloon thing uh, provided them some significant uh, static, semi-static surveillance of some key strategic locations they don't have access to. There's uh, certain blind spots, literally, regarding certain collection capabilities of sat on their satellites. I don't want to get into it because it's classified, but there's saying things they can't do with satellites that you could do with balloons, and they did it that way. It's, by the way, cheaper to do it by balloons than satellites, just saying. But Lourdes gives another aspect of this too signals intelligence being able to not only uh, look at what we're doing but intercept communications because much of what we learned during the cold war was called channel analysis not necessarily you don't have to necessarily understand the content of something to understand activity uh frequency of contacts the level of contacts all these things add up so that's what they're going for with lotus so this is a major a major collection center that uh, we're apparently uh, just happy to allow the, the the Cubans to say yes to and let them move in. And what is your th thinking, Tony? Because you made it sound as if there's entirely rational uh, and and there is sort of a, a let's say an ambiguous uh, sense of what you're saying we should do uh, because they need well, it. I don't want to. We should, I know what I'd recommend doing, but I don't think they're going to do it. Well, let's let, try me. So um, basically, during the, Co the Cuban Missile Crisis, we essentially established policies that were not necessarily approved by Congress of what we would accept and not accept. John Kennedy, uh, 13 days in October, I think people ought to go back and look at that. We recognized there were certain prerogatives we were willing to accept and not accept regarding activities within uh, the Western Hemisphere. Uh, walk softly, but big, carry a big stick, as one president said. And I think at this point, recognizing that China is aggressive, uh, behaving aggressively, to, to Gordon's point, they're doing these things across the board, no pushback. So uh, the idea is, you know, 
uh, we've got to draw a line and say enough, no more. Uh, either you know, uh, either you say it's a policy position of this nation, we will not permit you to expand your military activities in Cuba, and we were willing to do things to counter that, or else. I'm not saying we should bomb them, but there's a lot of things we can do to make life very difficult or counter that facility. And that, that's what the policy should be. And at this point, there's no indication there's any pushback at all against, the, uh, against that facility being built by the, the Chinese in Cuba. And to your earlier points, Gordon, uh, possession, really, of the Panama Canal, uh, they have expanded uh, from Brazil to Venezuela to, to Colombia, uh, Cuba, uh, Central America. They have a, how would we say it, a uh, covert relationship with Mexico, its drug cartels, as well as its government. We are being played for fools in the open. And it's going to be very difficult for us to draw a line here, is it not? Because we have blurred so many ourselves. Well, the one thing we can do, Lou, um, is we can start paying attention to the region, which really no American president has done um, for decades and decades. So what we have to do is start thinking not only about Latin America, but the Caribbean as well, because we haven't been competing. And while we haven't been competing, the Russians, the Chinese, and the Iranians have been making inroads everywhere. And it's not just Cuba, of course. It's, for instance, the new base that China is trying to establish in Argentina in Tierra del Fuego, which that means that they would control the tip of South America. But you go through, it's not just Argentina, it's not just Venezuela, not just Mexico, not just Cuba, it's not just Jamaica, uh, it's not just the Bahamas. Um, we find ourselves not competing at all. We have enormous power, as Tony was intimating. Um, we just have not been using it. And because of that, China has taken advantage of an America that has not been paying attention to the countries that are most critical. Um, and it's, by the way, you know, it's not just the countries to the south. China is actually more influential in Ottawa, or at least it's been until the most recent controversy. So let's say up until the last six months. But China's been more influential in Ottawa than we have been. And so we are find ourselves surrounded in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, people have no idea. Most people, I should say, in Washington, D.C., have no idea of just how embedded the Chinese are in the oil sands uh, in Canada. Uh, their their capacity uh, at, uh, at every port. Uh, that is important to Canada. Uh, we have been, again, uh, just wondrous fools uh, with our policy, uh, as you put it, in our hemisphere. I want to uh, wrap this up, if I may, with uh, asking one more, one more question of you, and that is, where do we go from here? Uh, what is what are we to make uh, of a, an administration that says reconsider travel, but doesn't have the, the 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 honesty to be forthright and direct and say it's a travel ban? Uh, give us a sense of where we're headed with this administration in the short term, Gordon, if you will. Um, I, I'm going I'm to quote somebody that I disagree with all the time because for once he was right. Um, on June 7th, Henry Kissinger gave an interview to the editor-in-chief of Bloomberg who said that um, war between the United States and China is, quote-unquote, 
probable. That's how serious it is. And as a final thought, I would say that we need to have a national security establishment in Washington. Um, President and Valerie Jarrett and everybody else recognize the severity and the urgency of the situation. We just had July 4th, our national holiday, and we need to start thinking about what we have to do this year to maintain our republic and our freedoms and our sovereignty, because we're going to lose them, Lou, unless we start thinking, start looking at the world realistically, the way that it is, not the way that we want it to be, and start exercising political will to defend ourselves. Tony, if you will, your concluding thoughts. Sure. Um, Lou, I think um, when you examine what should be done versus what will be done, it's, there's it's a huge gap. The fact is we have to examine this from the perspective of understanding that we are essentially at a state of Cold War with China, period. That, that needs to be the fundamental understanding that they have decided they're going to undermine our system of governance, uh, our ability to protect the commerce and actions of the world. I'm not saying that I'm not a neocon, but I'm saying that we've guaranteed free access and trade for the globe for a long time, which I think is a good thing. And China has said they're going to dominate the South China Sea and the Pacific first and move on from there. So I think we have to accept them at their word. We and we're not. Uh, there's a handful of folks who have a rational understanding of what the Chinese want to do. Uh, I keep hearing from some of my uh, left, you know, uh, my friends, some of who I agree with on Ukraine, disagree with me on China. They, they think that China is simply out to uh, promote their own ability to do trade. It's not. Uh, they keep saying they're not aggressive. Well, I think the people in t Tibet would uh, differ with that opinion regarding the fact that they secured Tibet and uh, that region for the purposes of making sure that they had access to certain natural resources, water being one of them. So when you, w w we need to understand that China's gonna act in China's interest no matter what. And they may not do it uh, overtly aggressive like a Putin, but they're going to be aggressive and they're going to undermine things. That's the fundamental thing we must do uh, to, to just start changing the policy, the, 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 the monolithic policy direction of the Biden administration, which basically pretends that everything is just fine. Well, there, Donald Rumsfeld once famously said, you have to go to war with the army you have. That's right. And you also, unfortunately, have to go to war with the commander in chief you have. Nothing frightens me more than the prospect of this country having to go to war with this White House, this president as commander in chief. Uh, it, it is it's a terrifying thought, and it's one that everyone should get acquainted with uh, because the prospects, as Gordon said, uh, are are growing by, it seems, the day. We thank you both, as always, for wrapping up the week with us here on The Great America Show. Thanks, Lou. Thanks, thank you, Lou. Always great to join you. Yes, thank you. Tony Schaefer, Gordon Chang, great Americans, both of you. Thanks, everybody. And our guest here Monday will be the Republican strategist and author Roger Stone on President Trump's commanding lead in the polls, Biden's scandals, and the latest JFK assassination document dump. Roger says LBJ did it. Please be with us for all of that and more. Follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs, that's at Lou Dobbs, and on Facebook and Instagram at Lou Dobbs Tonight. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America.